Welcome to the Happy Homeschool, where we talk about creative homeschool inspiration rooted in relationships for the nonconformist, dedicated parent. I'm Laura Blodgett. And my goal at the Happy Homeschool is to inspire and equip you to create a learning environment that makes home everyone's favorite place. You can always read more at thehappyhomeschool.com. Hello, I'm Laura. In June of 2018, I got to interview Nathan Dempsey, who runs Liberty Minecraft, but when I changed podcast platforms, that interview disappeared, and I recently had a special request to get it up again. So here it is, what Liberty Minecraft can teach you about life. I was able to interview Nathan Dempsey, who runs Liberty Minecraft, and I have that interview for you today. It was a fun and fascinating interview on many levels, and I hope you will enjoy it. So here it is. Okay, today I want to welcome Nathan Dempsey. Did I say your name right? You did. Thanks. Who I have met through the Tom Woods Bloggers Group, and I've been very interested in seeing what he's been doing with something called Liberty Minecraft. And I have a rough idea what that is. I have grandkids, after all, and I've seen their t-shirts, but... Personally, I do things like sewing and playing instruments and studying Chinese and cleaning the kitchen to relax. <laughs> and Laura, I think that's what makes you awesome, isn't it? I don't know. We all have our quirks. But I like technology, and um, as evidenced by the fact that I have a couple of blogs, and I like recording things and doing videos. And I'm, I'm very intrigued by this thing called Liberty Minecraft. Um, I just will throw in, uh, I did do a blog podcast last week with the title, Does Technology Destroy Your Child's Creativity? And I think this will mesh really well with that. Oh, perfect. So before um, we go on, if you could just explain to me or anyone who has never been involved in Minecraft at all, what is it about? Yeah, okay. Thanks, Laura. Minecraft is basically uh, the best example of something called a sandbox game. Play is self-directed. In other words, almost everything that happens in the game is the result of player decisions. Minecraft is also like Lego on your computer, because the whole world breaks apart into blocks, which players can use to build or craft new products. Uh, Players can even cook food to eat, farm animals for wool or leather, and defend themselves against monsters and and much more. <laughs> That's interesting what you said about the Legos. I have a little story that I sometimes share with people when they're because I have seven children. They're grown. My last, my youngest child just graduated from college, okay, and great. so I get quite a few people asking me child raising questions because I taught them at home. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite stories about creative play involves Legos because um, we had a time when they were all very little, where we were in the throes of moving and deals were falling through. And so we were packed up, um, just basically everything, but it looked like we were going to move again soon. So the only toy that I would let them have out for several weeks was Duplo Legos. Okay. And I, I was fascinated by what they discovered to do with Duplo Legos when that was all they had. And mm-hmm. one would have possibly thought that it would have been a confining sort of thing, but they became incredibly creative with them. That's great. So if you, yeah, ex- uh, comparing it to that, I, I can get that. Yeah, it seems like Legos are a pretty good option if you're on the move. 
Yeah. So how is Liberty Minecraft different than just Minecraft? Minecraft is a, um, a modifiable game. So Liberty Minecraft is a modified version of Minecraft that players can enjoy without downloading or installing anything new. If you have Minecraft for PC, you can join Liberty Minecraft in under 30 seconds. There's no extra cost. Liberty Minecraft adds private property, self-ownership, commodity money, and trade to Minecraft. In each case, these features are offered with computer code, and they're completely optional. Um, so is other, this some... Oh, go ahead. One other way that Liberty Minecraft is different is our world size. Default Minecraft worlds are six times larger than Earth by surface area. <laughs> so unlike a default world, which would be quite big, Liberty Minecraft is the size of Manhattan. Oh, huh. Interesting. So is this something unique to you, the Liberty Minecraft? Is that something you in particular run? That's correct. Okay. It's a one-man band. <laughs> so um, from talking with you just a little bit before, I got the impression that kids definitely do participate on Liberty Minecraft. Is, did I get that correct? Yeah. I should mention one thing. Um, mm -hmm. Mojang, which is the company that makes Minecraft, their terms of service say that kids 13 and older are permitted to play Minecraft online. Mm. Mm. If this applies to you, maybe it's something to investigate. But in any case, I trust parents will know what works best for them. And, um, you know, I, I think probably some kids younger than 13 have played with parental guidance. Right. Well, plus, I mean, I know in my larger circle, um, if kids have wanted to get on Facebook with very limited interaction, but they're under 13, I know parents who have done that. It's just something parents are free to do. <laughs> yeah, of course. So what do you think kids can learn on Liberty Minecraft in particular? Okay. Um, considering the world size, which I mentioned is different, our players have to find peaceful ways to solve conflicts over resources which wouldn't happen in this enormous six times the size of Earth world, right? Right. Um, our players can also learn how prices are set in a free market. They can learn how innovation brings down prices generally and improves living standards. They learn how commodity money appreciates in value in a free market. Um, our players learn to become good stewards of their own resources. Because in Liberty Minecraft, players only become wealthy by providing value to each other. Ah. So do you provide any sorts of links to help people who might not be familiar with those concepts, who have been brought up in public schools and maybe have a more socialist way of looking at things, learn about this? That's a really interesting question. Um, on our website, I do provide um, guides which explain how the game mechanics work. Mm -hmm. And I also do a lot of writing on the website. Um, there you'll find more than 100 blog posts. And many of them do um, cover ways that um, actions in the game are explained in terms of Austrian economics or libertarian ethics. Cool. Um, but specifically to your question, maybe that's something I could do more of. Huh. Yeah. I have a, a girlfriend that I've had for a long time. Her kids are about the age of mine. And she is fond of saying when, when they were younger and they would be arguing, she would turn to them and say, this is why we can't have world peace. <laughs> <laughs> Because it does begin on an individual uh, level. So do you think that online interactions are different from face-to-face -face interactions? 
I think so, yes. In fact, one way interactions online are different is that if I don't like something, I can immediately find another thing which I do like. And selection is much easier, especially oh. compared with offline interactions. And it's not a distressing experience because I know in the past, I've always found something which I enjoyed more. Hmm. So I'm not a professional in this area, but um, so I'm not familiar with the research. But I wonder how this impacts a person's response to and, and tolerance for things that are in normal daily life, which may be less enjoyable. Hmm. So I think there are differences, and I expect that they do have consequences. But this means that there's a tremendous opportunity to draw out what's good about online interactions. Yeah. Um, when I was doing these questions, actually, I was dictating them to my youngest daughter in the car on the way back from Chinese lessons. Mm -hmm. And um, she actually works in a small business locally, but they do a lot of online business communication. And so our conversation took a turn where we discussed how having online interaction experience was beneficial to the business world. Yeah. One thing I've heard is that um, millennials um, do much of their business through email now mm -hmm. and through online messaging. Um, which is completely different. Uh, in fact, there may be some good benefits for um, going through live interactions, even though it's so much of the focus is is on online right now. Um, there's so much more you can gain, I think, from seeing someone in person, especially in terms of negotiating deals. Right. There's There's got to be a balance I, in this business. I know that the one of the main guys, he does a fair amount of traveling to make initial contact, mm -hmm. but then that gets expenses, expensive. So to have the online option really can keep business costs down. Yeah, uh, absolutely. In fact, this is a bit of a segue, but um, recently I uh, negotiated for a second server for Liberty Minecraft. Mm. We just purchased a new one. Um, what I decided to do was spend about two weeks um, where I had first collected a list of 100 service providers, and I narrowed that down to my top six. And then, you know, if you spend a few years studying Austrian economics, you'll learn that competition among sellers um, brings prices down. Right. And so I put these top six um, service providers into a very clear space where they knew that they were competing for my business. Mm. And then I worked with them directly online, purely. Um, but even then, you know, making sure to convey to them that um, it was going to be difficult, but I wanted to be respectful with them because anyone that I want to work with is a company that I can respect. So, Right, right. Yeah, and we managed to get the deal done. Um, I saved 50%, I think, wow. on our server cost. Yeah. I uh, have the advantage that my oldest daughter and her son are techies, mm -hmm. and so and they actually have their own servers, so I get to have my blogs and things through them, and I don't have to deal with that aspect. That relieves a lot of stress in my life. <laughs> That's terrific. One advantage yeah. of bearing seven children. Yeah. I, yeah. I expect you've earned it. <laughs> well, it's another funny story about that is that... Um, so my husband works in the computer industry. He designed computer memory um, for years. Uh, now he's more on the marketing end of it. So he's right. really tired of computers when he got home. And he just really, we were one of the last people I knew to get a computer in the house in the 90s. Oh, wow. and, and then he 
he told me, you know, honey, I love you, but I really don't want to help you problem solve the computer. And so between that issue and me really not knowing anything about it, our kids, I mean, they played computer games and stuff, but they didn't get lessons or whatever in computers when I was teaching them at home. Mm -hmm. But because they were taught self-learning, they all, and my oldest daughter in particular, they have learned so much that now on her job, she's like their techie expert. She and her husband do all that for their business. So you taught them self-learning and they just used that for everything afterwards. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on what you have to say to parents who would be concerned about online interactions, because I'm of the age where I remember when the Internet first came out that everybody that you would meet on the Internet was a rapist or a murderer. Right. Wow. I mean, what do I say to parents? I want to learn from you. Um, Ah. Concerned parents are invested in getting things right. So that's an asset for me offered on the market basically for free. Um, should parents be concerned? I think so. Um, interacting online in games is a 20-year-old experiment at this point. Um, turning concerns into products which offer a solution is a way not just to learn but also to improve things. Um, working with parents is part of my process. Okay. So one thing I notice um, that parents might be interested in, um, parents that are playing on our server, they will play with their kids. Right. And this seems like a really great option. It reminds me of board game night. Mm-hmm. Um, they decide on a project like building a house and take on individual roles like mining resources or going to the market to buy supplies. It sounds really nice to me. Yeah. But um, whatever works best for them, right? I, I think the highest value I can offer parents is to provide good information and build their feedback into the game. Um, I trust their advice and I depend on their judgment. Well, and my perspective is always that it is the parent's job to be overseeing and supervising and appropriately limiting any of these kinds of things that they might uh, be concerned about or find out something untoward is happening. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I know one family that they play Minecraft together, but somehow the husband, who's quite adept with computer things, has created a separate little Minecraft world where only his family can play. Can that also be done on Liberty Minecraft? Uh, not currently, but that's a really interesting question, and I hope to have some more news about that in the coming months. Okay, because then you could build your own, I guess, limited society of who you want to interact with. Yeah, right now, that's definitely an option. Um, basically, if parents want to set up a a local access network, a LAN environment. Okay. They can download the server version of Minecraft. And there are some challenges associated. Like there's a bit of a learning curve to set one up, but you can set up your own server and just play with your family. Okay. I yeah, actually have great. heard of a LAN. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. So my next question was, how much can the players learn about the inner workings of the game and get creative with the code? Well, this is a great question because I think Minecraft is great for this purpose. Hmm. Within the game itself, there's a wiring and circuitry feature called Redstone. Players can do all sorts of amazing things with it. Everything from simple automatic doors to fully functioning computers built within the game itself. 
Um, and there's also a community of programmers that modify the game, create these mods, right? Um, and they're creating new types of gameplay. Many of these people were introduced to coding because of Minecraft. In fact, the tools that I used to build Liberty Minecraft were created by that community. Yeah, which kind of gets back to the the thing where I was talking about in my blog that play on technology mm -hmm. is probably just important as play anywhere else. It helps you to learn about the tool and be able to use it in adulthood. I think so. Yeah. And just as one thing, um, these coders, right, people who played Minecraft learned how to, to code because they wanted to change Minecraft. You know, I'm paying some of these people today to build new things for Liberty Minecraft. Right. And although, um, obviously, as people who uh, embrace Austrian economics, we're, we're perfectly at ease with games being an industry and a worthwhile way for people to make money, but it also can be used for things that would be more of a survival nature and business businesses that meet true, more um, necessary life needs. Yeah, I think games are a very interesting case because one way or another, most people have made up their mind about games. Yeah. And most of the advertising surrounding games is focused on two things, that they're either entertaining or challenging. Huh. But for the last 15 or 20 years, um, digital economies have been springing up in these online games. Mm -hmm. And these economies exist in spite of the fact that most game developers at some stage have tried to get rid of them. <laughs> right. So this is an emergent process that's occurring in games, which is saying that, okay, people have these ideas about games and, you know, you have composers committing their career to the entertainment side, but there's something else going on here. Um, these are rich environments that I think are, are terrific for learning. Yeah, that, that's very cool. I just got done listening to a Tom Woods episode where um, he had a guy on, sorry, I don't remember his name, but they were discussing Marx's labor theory of value um, and mm -hmm. how it was being um, evaluated. I'm not going to say the German guy, Bob Bavark, I guess say it right. Okay. The, from the economist, Bob Murphy's favorite economist from the 19th century. And there were things... Um, I just really liked getting down into that sum, and I think it is along the same lines where they were talking about capital flowing to the areas of most profit so mm -hmm. that a certain industry will never maintain a higher profit level for long because other people will come into it. Right. And yeah. so it almost is like that's the same thing that's happening here a bit with the games. In fact, uh, this even happens within the game, within mm -hmm. Minecraft. Um, a lot of these Minecraft servers will be set up along all kinds of ideological um, basis, and they don't even have to know what they are. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'd say roughly one half of Minecraft servers that you go to online um, will have in some manner a labor theory of value provided through the server. Huh. So a, a lot of them will pay people money for digging or for cutting trees. And it doesn't matter if anyone is using the hole that you produce or the dirt that you've drawn up from the ground or the trees that you've cut down, your rate of payment might even go up as you achieve a higher level for all of this digging. And, uh, you know, so you can actually observe the effect of a labor theory of value on an economy. And it's horrible. Huh. Every few months they have to reset the server because they'll have like, you know, hyperinflation and overproduction of certain resources that no one uses. 
And that so is they, very interesting. Yeah. So people are experimenting in economics and in statecraft without the state, uh -huh. right? In these kind of um, world-sized Petri dishes, right? Mm -hmm. And so Liberty Minecraft is one of these tests, except in our case, we're testing Austrian economics with libertarian ethics. Mm -hmm. All of the items produced in our world are created by the players and our money is commodity money. So as a contrast, it's um, I think it's very fascinating. Yeah, that's that is fascinating. And it just made the other question that I had slip right out of my mind because I was so I'm fascinated. Sorry. No, yeah, it's, it's a big topic. I mean, um, I feel like I could probably write a whole book on um, digital economies um, and virtual economies within some of these games. And, um, you know, it's one thing to try and get gamers interested in economics, uh -huh. but it's actually quite another challenge to get economists interested in games. And I think the value goes both ways, but it's a bit of an uphill battle. Yeah. Well, what I was thinking of, I remembered now, is an interesting comparison to science fiction, because I was listening to a discussion of that on the Tom Woods Liberty Classroom with um, Brad Berzer. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how no matter what your purported or I should say, no matter what an author's purported worldview was, that science fiction as a genre, when they wrote the stories, there was just something about them where they were inherently libertarian. And so it's almost like you're saying that same thing about even the regular Minecraft, as try as they might to make it be a certain way, they have to adjust. <laughs> yeah, there is an inherent reality that they do face even within these game servers. Um, huh. That's really interesting. You know, the funny thing about economics in general is that they're often fine with um, thought experiments and literary examples. For instance, looking at um, the island of Robinson Crusoe, right? Mm -hmm. um, so Austrian economists are fine with um, imaginary people and thinking about imaginary preferences, right? Right, right. But within games, you get real people with real preferences. And so uh, immediately, I think there's a leg up where games have something even more to offer over yes. science fiction novels and, and these, even though they're excellent thought experiments that, that can be applied to um, develop an understanding of libertarian ethics. Yes, that's a that's a very good point. Where really, where play does mesh with teaching economics in unexpected ways, possibly for some people. Mm -hmm. And it's experience related, right? Because it's right. immersive. Um, for the last year in Liberty Minecraft, I set up a a tiny experiment where I claimed an area and then made it accessible to everyone. And then in another area, it's just the normal rules of the server where anyone can claim the land and build there. And so for the last year, we've had an experiment which compares um, anarcho-syndicalism with anarcho-capitalism, hmm. right? And you can go there and see it. And on the one hand, there's no innovation, no development for a year. Um, and on the other side, it, we have one of the most innovative and most developed areas in the entire game, in the kind of self-ownership area. Right. So that's similar to the tragedy of the commons? Yeah. Very much so, yeah. If you go to our um, Facebook page, in fact, maybe I'll send you the link. You can include it in yeah, your blog yeah. post. Please. Um, but there's a short video. It's less than one minute. You can watch the entire year in a um, time-lapse video. Ah. Yeah. And then unlike many things, you can actually go there from your home computer and actually see these places and and play around with a lot of the innovations that 
people have made. Well, you you almost have me wishing I liked games. Yeah, <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> Actually, um, I've never been like even a board game player. Uh, mm -hmm. So when I was visiting uh, my friend uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago and she has kids well, she's the she's the age of my oldest, so obviously her kids are, are fairly young still. And one of them had a new game for his birthday, and he wanted to play. And at first I was like, I don't do games. And then he looked at me, and I guess the grandma in me got activated, and I'm like, okay, I will. <laughs> so you played the game with him? So I played the game, and then I got home, and all my grown kids are giving me grief. You never played games with us. <laughs> So I'm thinking, though, you know, just to be consistent, I could maybe play Liberty Minecraft with my grandkids, right? There you go. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to object to that. It sounds great to me. <laughs> well, I the only other thing I was going to ask was for links or articles. And you already were going to send me that link. And you talked mm -hmm. about articles that you have on the site. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add uh, about sure. it? Sure. Um, I mean, just to start with our content, you can find everything that I've ever produced for Liberty Minecraft at libertyminecraft.com. Okay. There's more than 100 blog posts there. Um, specifically for parents, they might like our player's letter. I produce one each month. One of the sections is called Liberty in Action, and that shares what the players are doing in our game world. Hmm. Um, in player's letters, I also write um, about decisions that I've made. And I even talk about my own mistakes. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a great way for me to get market feedback from the players and parents. Um, one other thing that you might be interested in, in speaking to libertarian parents in particular, one concern they've expressed is online privacy. Right. I was encouraged to write on this topic. There's an article that you can read on our website called um, How Minecraft Privacy Works. Parents might not realize that there is no privacy uh, when people play Minecraft online. It's basically a digital, privately owned public space okay. where everything can be observed and recorded. So I think parents would want to know if their kids are playing in a public space. With Minecraft, people have to act like it's a public space, even when it doesn't feel like one. Mm -hmm. And that's a new thing, which most parents didn't experience growing up. Um, future generations will know this and starting early, I think helps, but right now I think this is a very new thing. Um, Liberty Minecraft is not perfect. Right. It's, uh, obviously privacy is one challenge I face. Um, but I still use Minecraft because it's a great game. It's inexpensive. It's the world's best selling computer game. Mm. Uh, people can be very creative in it. And unlike any other game, it can be modified in a way to explore free markets, capitalism, voluntary interactions. For now, Minecraft offers the best opportunity for exploring libertarian ideas in games. Yeah, well, you're saying all of that and, and I'm putting together all the things we've discussed. I'm remembering, I can't remember exactly which sci-fi apocalyptic kind of book, um, probably George Orwell, where they talk about being hooked to chairs and, and having all of your senses stimulated, but you don't actually do anything. And oh, that, that sounds and, like the Matrix. Yeah, you know, maybe that too. But this was like being numbed by entertainment kind of a thing where okay. you don't interact with the real world. And 
a lot of people referred to that because that, those things were written before TV was really how it was. And so they associated TV with that. But what I'm seeing is an evolution of the video world and the video game thing that's even more interactive than anybody imagined. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it just reminds me of they're so commonly predictions of, oh, this is going to be horrible. We're going to run out of this. The world is going to come to an end. But people's creativity ends up astounding and disproving that so often. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and of course, there's two sides to this story, right? Because on mm -hmm. one hand, um, fear-mongering is a great way to get clicks. Yes, <laughs> Or yes. maybe 30 years ago, it was uh, newspaper sales or something. Right. Uh, but on the other side, you know, people's concerns have a way of becoming solutions down the down the road. So yes, I like to see you know these concerns that people have as um, as free assets on the market. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think they're often undervalued. So you know, you can just kind of go mining through and and see what things can be easily solved. The the low hanging fruit, and then suddenly you have a product that's being advertised in advance. Yeah, that's that's totally amazing. I'm I'm just delighted with our conversation. Like Thanks, I said, I, I might try Liberty Minecraft with my cool. grandkids. <laughs> I hope to see you there. I suppose there's always the possibility if I play Liberty Minecraft and I want to have you back and say, hey, I learned some things. I have more questions. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Actually, uh, I mean, if you decided to come visit and, and play anything you wanted to ask about or write about, I'd be very happy to respond on that. Okay. All right. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. I believe I'm going to call this episode What Liberty Minecraft Can Teach You About Life. And on the blog, you can find links to the podcast articles and websites that we mentioned. Make sure you have signed up for the Dangerously Helpful Homeschool Dispatch. When you do, you will receive my best 25 homeschool tips. Now go out there and have fun creating a fantastic homeschooling experience for you and your children.